Welcome to the Weekend Must Watch on Intercut, where we wade our way through the week in theaters, streaming, and on demand. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, no more loyal a first mate, it's Arturo Zurita. We've got, you know, it's funny that you say that because uh, I've been watching a lot of pirate stuff. One that we, we won't have included mm. today was... Uh, with the new Taika movie out, a lot of people were like, you got to understand, that's not the funny Taika. The funny Taika's on HBO Max on his right. pirate show. I don't know if you've seen that one over there. So I haven't seen Our Flag Means Death. Bro, it, I've seen nothing but pirate content the entire time. A do- documentary was about piracy as well. So it's like it's been nothing but ours the entire weekend for me. But uh, I prefer <laughs> all of those to the new stuff that we had in theaters this week, which we'll yeah. be getting into in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we are, we're going to go a whole after credits on... Uh, a whole separate stream following this stream so we can dive into spoilers and all that stuff with Thor Love and Thunder. We did some spoiler-free thoughts on last week's Weekend Must Watch, so you can go there to check that out. Go to the Intercut Clips channel to check that out, or stay tuned because we will talk about that after we get into the rest of the Weekend Watch. And it's a bit of a light Weekend Watch this week because if we're talking about what we're watching... There's not really anything other than Thor in theaters or in virtual this week. Yeah. Um, I mean, they took everything. 40X, IMAX. They did that Disney run where they got it for the two weeks because nothing really. I don't think Crawdad. We keep, Is it Crawdad? Is it Crawdad? Crawdad. Crawdad. I, I accept like, both pronunciations. Well, that's somebody, not, somebody tell us what they'd say if they actually yeah. use it in their regular life. Like, Crawdad <laughs> is, is something part of your that regular only, language. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, so I think I've only recording. used it in like Red Dead Redemption 2 is the only time I've had to say the word out loud. Um, anyway, well, let's go straight the 40X. to... Yeah, let's go straight to streaming then, because there are some interesting streaming releases, and perhaps the biggest one is over on Netflix with the latest from Netflix animation, The Sea Beast, which tells the Mm -hmm. story of a young girl who stows away on a ship of a legendary monster hunter. I wrote chip in my notes for some reason. When they accidentally journey into uncharted waters. Art, this is the latest movie written and directed by Chris Williams, who did both Bolt and Big Hero 6. So how does his latest, The Sea Beast, stack up to those two movies? Uh, I was excited to see what new stuff Netflix had picked up uh, in terms yeah. of their animations. I feel like every time around this year, they give us something pretty decent. Uh, and I think this has a pretty good story. Uh, the way you described it becomes practically like a, a buddy pirate out there trying to catch a beast, but then also kind of realizing maybe everything that your profession has been or what you think the history of your town has been may not be what you know it to be uh i thought the animation was beautiful uh this is the year of water dude for whatever reason every effects company is going all out with their water scenes we're gonna have avatar later this year it's literally in the title it's all gonna culminate with avatar honestly but the water animation to be honest is it's freaking fantastic. That's probably one of yeah. the like most difficult things to do uh, mm-hmm. just because of its fluidity. And I think just in general, a lot of the shots that they capture in this movie uh, are fantastic. They had said that a big inspiration was King Kong, not just in the themes of the story, but like the scope that they were going for. This idea yeah. of, uh, you know, befriending this giant beast uh, that, and that may have a different history it- to it. 
that scope is really one of the things that I think you can tell they were thinking about because there's all these amazing, amazing images where they'll put the the tiny human characters in front of these giant yep. beasts and they all look like paintings. They're they're mm-hmm. incredible. Uh, it's fantastic scaling. So the I think it takes its animation and it does the best that it could possibly do with it. The cast as well, I think, is pretty stacked. Uh, Butcher has been having one hell of a weekend, <laughs> as well. I could say. Uh, Carl Urban comes in and he voices the main yeah. pirate. I really like his voice. I think he's always done. I think that's like one of his biggest attributes as an actor. Uh, so seeing mm. that on display here was really good. Uh, Zari Angel, who does the little girl, I thought. I thought she played her perfectly. Uh, mm-hmm. I usually get tired with the trope of her having like what really is a cat. They even say it in the movie that that little thing that she hangs around with, you know, there's always going to be that. Yeah, the little sidekick. Um, But I thought she had really good banter with it, uh, not just Mm -hmm. in the way that she's animated, but uh, a lot of the back and forth, thanks to the voice acting. Jared Harris does a good job in it as well. So I think there's a lot to like in this movie. Um, And the the camaraderie was good, but I really like the messaging in the third act of the movie, which I don't want to spoil because, you know, there's some meat into the story. It's not just a bunch of visuals, which at first yeah. felt a lot like How to Train Your Dragon. I don't know if you got that vibe out of it at all. We were yeah, watching definitely it, the you monster get, design. Yeah, you got the monster design that goes a lot with it. You know, it's got this very dragon feel, almost like yeah. who's going to train who. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I would recommend it on Netflix because it, you don't just get beautiful animation with it. You actually get a story that makes you think. For sure. I mean, just weaving in this idea that society often valorizes people who've done terrible things in in benefit of the empire and that our so-called heroes may not actually have been that heroic. Like, to put all that into a kid's movie is pretty complex and cool. And I I really dig that. I'm looking forward to a bunch of seven-year-olds ten years from now reading about U.S. presidents and being like, this is exactly like the Seabees. This is the (laughs) Seabees. Um, am I a g- gigantic pansy or was this pretty scary for a PG movie? Uh, like, I'm not trying to be the guy who thinks that Multiverse of Madness should have been R-rated, but I don't know if it's just, like, how tense and frightening some of the, like, hunt scenes are. But it, I feel like I felt like the closer the, – the characters were a lot closer to danger than you normally get in a kid's movie like this. I, I think it's because uh, a lot of the animation is so shiny. So when they put you Mm. in that perilous scenario, it's just that effective. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it works is the thing, right? And um, I I mentioned to you before we started recording, there's this article that I thought of immediately. uh, One of my favorite pieces of film writing called The Sea is Dope. Uh, This old Grantland article by Chris Ryan just talking about how, like, movies set at sea are awesome. There's just so much built-in tension and stakes because you have this whole like man versus the elements, man versus nature thing going on plus the the man versus man stuff that inevitably comes from those stories. So yeah, man, there should be more movies set out at sea, I guess. Uh, but I'd, I'd also recommend anybody check out that piece of writing because it's a really fun piece. Uh, the sea is dope. You'd rather be up in space or lost at sea? Just personally? Yeah. I mean, I think I'd, <laughs> I'd rather be lost at sea because I feel like there's at least the really? glimmer of hope that you might might eventually drift into something. If you if you're drifting through space, you're you're, you're lost, yeah. out of luck. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's just something about the fact that we've been here on this planet so long and we don't know half the stuff that's on this planet after so long. <laughs> it's creepy, but no, I agree with you. Uh, I have to check this article out. I there, there's plenty of good sea movies out there, and I would add the Sea Beast into that realm. Check that I one out. I agree. 
All right, let's switch over to Paramount Plus because we got a question from Oddball on Instagram mm. asking if we were going to discuss Beavis and Butthead do the universe. I hadn't realized it was out yet. Uh, this was originally a project that was announced for Comedy Central and then eventually shifted over when Viacom realized they need to actually put content on Paramount Plus <laughs> in order to get people to sign up for it. Uh, the film follows Beavis and Butthead in the year 1998, who get assigned to six weeks of space camp, get launched into space, and travel through a black hole that sends them 24 years into the future in a, to a world full of iPhones. Art, first in, the first and most important question I have is, did you watch Beavis and Butthead as a kid? Uh, not as religiously as probably a yeah. bunch of other cartoons out th that were out mm -hmm. there, but I knew of Beavis and Butthead very well. I think I, I ended sure. up seeing a lot of their clips online more than actually sitting down to watch the series, but yeah. uh, did you? <laughs> not a lot. I feel like I have vague memories of like having a Beavis and Butthead point-and-click game, but... I, I wasn't. I was more of a. I was more of a King of the Hill guy, as my, my shirt Dude, might reveal. Bro, I was literally about to. To me, this and King of the Hill were in that realm. So right. at least you're on one one of them. But I, I had always put those kind of like together as those type of cartoons. Um, mm -hmm. They're goofy, and I think what this does better than a lot of uh, animated stuff that's tried to come back is that yeah. you have a lot of these '90s, early 2000s uh, cartoons that now. Uh, do that culture shock thing of like, oh my goodness, this is everything that's in t happening in 2022. And I think they're very authentic to their characters <laughs> mm -hmm. to a degree <laughs> where you actually get some of the best fish out of water moments uh, from Absolutely. one of these revivals. Yeah. Yeah. They don't overplay. It's not all like, whoa, isn't 2020 so different they play from into the 90s? It so well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just like there's these little bits here and there. Like, I love uh, the moment when they're asked to take a photo for somebody else. I thought that was hilarious. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately, like, it really does come down to these are really iconic vocal performances from like J Mike Judge, and they're still so singular and bizarre and funny to listen to. Like, mm -hmm. the constant sort of murmuring and, and like, choking on their own breath that these guys do as other characters talk. It's just funny. There's something very silly about it. And I think also, like removed from the 90s where this felt they felt a little bit more true to the counterculture they they felt more like representations of actual kids now they just are like silly little boys because i like who's even wearing acdc and metallica shirts anymore unless you're copying stranger things <laughs> i think the fans are still out there <laughs> I, i'll find out a lot for you zach but i, I agree you. with you i, I mean are I, they 16 no, they definitely not sixteen. Um, but I forget how young they're supposed to be. Like when you look back at yeah. all of these shows, South Park, they're what fourth graders and they've never grown <laughs> exactly. up. Exactly, they're supposed to be like I. I think in middle school, I think. Uh, right. But that's what makes them like so cartoony. Is this idea that they're just boys who don't understand how the world works and they they're they're disgusting, but they don't realize how innocent they are. You yeah, know, they're like they're cartoon mother schmuckers, is what they are, uh, and I, that's why I think it plays so well now that they're in the 2022 setting. Exactly. Yeah. There's just like a. It, they're almost weirdly innocent now because there's been so many other shows that go so much further in terms of like shock and vulgarity, and and this is just kind of like, you know, like people who don't have very developed senses of humor interacting with the greater <laughs> world. And it's um, kind of funny. I, 
So I gotta love it. I gotta it, love it. it. It's not enough to get the Paramount subscription yet, but hey, <laughs> new content is always welcome on Paramount if they're charging you money. So absolutely, uh, one of the best because it's one of the only. Beavis and yeah, Butthead over on Paramount+. Plus. Oddball was saying we don't talk about Paramount Plus stuff enough, but I, they got to give I, us some I, more stuff to talk about. Yeah, give us some stuff we'll talk about. It was the last <laughs> one that you got the screenings for. The mayor of whatever. Mayor of Kingston. Got, I'm surprised you even remember it because, yeah, that was during a time when we had too many towns and kings and yeah. a bunch of different series. But Beavis and Butthead, if you're curious, pretty good revival. All right, let's head over to HBO Max, where they are unveiling a new limited series. I like how vague the IMDb plot is. It showcases a series of events that unfold over six years. An impulsive one-time gathering turns into an annual event. The word anarchist is in the title of the show. Are they trying to hide that or something? Like, I don't get why they're being so vague. Uh, But regardless, we've seen the first of a six-episode uh, series and it's a pretty fascinating start talking about this community of people who call themselves anarchists uh, going to Acapulco to start this anarchist community and convention as well as uh, just sort of profiling the different people who are a part of it and the impending culture clashes right there's mm-hmm. this sort of threat looming over the show art what did you think of episode one of the anarchists uh interesting look at this group of people <laughs> Yeah. Who off of the trailer, they make it seem like uh, there's a group of people. They all gather at this hotel. And then it's almost like HBO finding a documentary version of the White Lotus. <laughs> Something bad has happened at the hotel. And who are they going to have the blame? Um, I would say if you saw that Lulu, that Lulu, whatever show uh, on Prime, the one where they were selling the, the, the yoga pants and you saw how that. corporation yeah lulu rich thank you and all the different perspectives of everybody who was involved with this organization and how they break Mm -hmm. that down this seems to be that version but for free thinkers like no one's making money off of this but you know that it's definitely uh something that blew up to be something really massive because Mm -hmm. in one of the things uh where they're where they're bringing people to acapulco specifically is because there's less laws there but then they come in to have this anarchist convention but nobody (laughs) Nobody scheduled them correctly. So because nobody was scheduled, they didn't make the rules. There was nothing to do. So it's really funny to uh, get this breakdown of this ideology, but being so close to the people, people who may not even like each other within the confines of this community that they've built. Uh, It also comes from Blumhouse, which I find really interesting that they're now into the limited documentary series. Um, game because uh, I guess that's something you could play for the Emmys. Um, right. But it's also something that plays off as a horror. So, you know, that's their way of saying, hey, we make a bunch of spooky supernatural movies, but maybe the documentaries may be even scarier. So, so far, I'm pretty intrigued by it. I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, I'm definitely intrigued by it. I mean, there is sort of this element of like knowing that something's going to go wrong. And I think they do a good job of sort of like giving you all the different things. Like, you know, obviously you talked about that they're in, uh, excuse me, Acapulco. uh, Acapulco. Um, And that they, uh, there's also just this sort of differing, on terms, in terms of like how people view anarchy, right? Like Mm -hmm. you can ask a hundred different people what anarchy means and I kind of feel like you'd get a hundred different answers, uh, which maybe is in the spirit of it. But, you know, because there is this sort of loose nature to how people view uh, anarchy, you have a bunch of people going in with these different perspectives on terms of like how to resolve their situation. So yeah, um, 
I, it, it, I have this thing where I do find a lot of the people fascinating, but I kind of feel like if they all talked for long enough, they would say something that I'd find completely objectionable. I don't know if you also get that feeling from the show. So that's my thing, you know, because I'm sure an anarchist is going to come in here and be like, oh, this is just to make us look really dumb. And the guy who's doing the documentary first met up with them six years ago and then yeah. like lived with them for another six years. So I'm hoping I'm not disagreeing with what you said at all. I think it's definitely going to happen. You got six episodes to do that. Yeah. Um, but I feel like at least the filmmakers coming from a perspective of trying to get them to be their most authentic selves, if that makes any sense. So it's yeah. like you're seeing the perspectives of everybody who comes in to see this, and eventually, yeah, I, I don't think it ends well. Put it put it that way. That's like thinking <laughs> that the ending of the WeWork doc is going to end in like a profound place. It is not. Um, yeah. But I think it's an interesting look at how people get indoctrinated uh, mm-hmm. and led to believe things by how you said. They come in because of a certain issue, and then they don't realize everything else that spawns from it. But it'll be interesting to see. Uh, how it wraps up. It's going weekly on HBO Max. Yeah, I think the the best bit of praise I can give for it is that Caitlin and I were watching the first episode and she, it ended and she's like, oh, that's all there is? So uh, we'll definitely be tuning into the next one. All right, so let's get to some TV shows, including Amazon's big show, The Boys Season 3, wrapped up its eight-episode run over the weekend with an explosive finale. Not everyone's likely had the chance to see all of Season 3, so we're going to do our best to sort of, like, talk around the spoilers for the season. But, Art, overall, where did you land on Season 3 of The Boys? Um, pretty good. I think we started off pretty rocky with it, wondering if it was going to be like a lot of the recent series that we've gotten where they're on their third season. We've had a lot of uh, third seasons this year and you start feeling not necessarily that you don't like the show, but that you've gotten used to the show. It's like, ah, how how, how many times can the boys be surprising, right? It's like how many crazy VFX shots. How shocking is it the 15th time you see someone's brain splatter across the screen, you know? Pretty interesting, according to the boys. I think they're able to find new things that other people aren't able to to, to do or get away with on their show. Uh, and I find it fascinating that they've said this is the one time where they've had to put a warning on a specific episode, and it was the Herogasm episode. That in mm-hmm. all the previous uh, seasons, they've never had to censor themselves or do any of that, but this was the one time for this season that they wanted to go all out. They claimed they lost blood. By season three, like the blood to 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 spray everybody, they went full Tarantino, and by episode three, they were they were completely done with it. Um, <laughs> and I would say I would say it shows on screen. I'd say this is the bloodiest season. I'd say this has the most twists and turns. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say it's the best season they've had so far, except yeah. for one person. Anthony Starr has freaking killed it, and I believe <laughs> that he should be pushed for awards because this is the best he's ever been as Homelander. It is. He he's is really so great. effective as Homelander, Zach. That it took three seasons for people to realize what the show was about. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what those people, what show those people were watching, because I felt like we got it a lot earlier. But yeah, clearly a lot of people didn't really see quite how bad Homeland was. You see the producers? Like and- I don't. <laughs> You're right, but you don't need any of that. Did you pay yeah. attention to the show, the episodes? Right. Um, right. He is. He is the most fantastic he's ever been. Um, he's so good. Yeah, and, and Every- it's, I think it's really almost in. I don't want to say almost entirely, but I want to say largely in his credit that that Homelander has remained interesting through these three seasons, right? Like that he hasn't been a one-dimensional villain. I agree it, with you. A lot of that is in that performance, dude. 
I get bored with some of these other characters when they get their times alone. I'm never bored when Homelander's on screen, so I agree mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. There, other characters, though, speaking of them, I do f- kind of miss Huey and Starlight uh, and their presence on the show. I feel like they were both sidelined a little bit this season. Um, yeah. And I think there's something about the heart that they bring and the the idea that they're the ones who are ultimately becoming morally compromised along the way that that I liked. Like, otherwise, The Boys is largely a show of people who are already like fully, fully morally uh, compromised and, and yeah. fully aware of the evil around them. And yeah, I guess, you know, they've they've been through a lot, but they, they're just so much the heart and the like... <laughs> the the release of tension for the first two seasons of that show that mm-hmm. I think I missed a little bit of that uh, this okay. year. I think that this is my least favorite season of The Boys, even though, like, there's still a lot of stuff I found really fun and cool. Um, I, yeah, I think maybe I, I didn't, especially where it ended up, it lost a little bit of steam for me. Um, I, I don't know how much of the comics you've read, but I'm I'm curious, like, why the show doesn't want to kill off some of these characters because there's something that happens in the finale that very easily could have just ended a couple of those stories and and instead they choose not to like is this a comic book thing that i just don't get because i don't read comic books uh no because i would say season four of stranger things is the same thing and those yeah. showrunners just came out and admitted to it uh yeah my, you're asking me stranger things gave the same reason for why jurassic world dominion did a bunch of writers saw the state of the world when they were writing and said, let's not fully go and kill certain characters. And I think yeah. that's why they're alive. Uh, give it a week and I'll send you the article where one of the writers goes. And that's the reason why we kept so-and-so alive. Exactly. That's what we got for Dominion. That's what we got for uh, Stranger Things. Yeah. I think we'll get into a point once everyone's happy again that we'll see more people die, Zach. But I agree with you. There are a bunch of characters where it's like, just tie it up. Like, they, they're they good to go. That's a, it's, a, it's an okay thing to yeah. say goodbye to your fictional characters. Um yeah, I've read the comics, and I will just say that the, the comics are a lot edgier. Way oh, yeah. edgier. Yeah. Um, they're, the it's, comics definitely have... <laughs> there's one thing with the boys. I think the boys does a really good job at like focusing on one side and making fun of it to the point that that side didn't know they were being made fun of. And I think right. it makes fun of you know politics on both angles, um, even when it doesn't realize it's doing so. And I think the mm-hmm. book 100% goes at like everything. And the pendulums, I think, may be swinging... Uh, for the show. Because um, so far, I think it's been easy targets, especially in the last episode. You're getting so many things that you can finish the quote on what they're referencing right? by the end of it, you know? Yeah. It's not like in they're, Atlanta they're... when you saw that episode with the little boy and you're like, why does this feel eerily familiar? There are episodes yeah. of the boy where I was like, I know exactly what news headline they're talking about here. Exactly. I think there's there's something to be said for a little bit more subtlety in the in the real world commentary, right? Like you want to be like, oh, what's that about? Or you want you want to have to think on it a little bit. It's one um, for and, one. Yeah, exactly. Like it's like the Imagine video. Like you kind of you could have done something that's really really similar with a different song, right? Like you don't no, have to I literally do Imagine. My man, I it felt like elements from the movie don't look up where you're like yes no that is exactly you just did nothing for it in your own universe you just literally tit for tat copied what a meme would be uh without the context that i think the that make the first two seasons of the boys so good that made those first two seasons dupable on some people and now season three Mm -hmm. was so in your face that some people realize what it's all about. Uh, I'm still intrigued. I think they're setting up for what's going to be a crazy season four. Uh, Some 
team and members get rearranged? And they've also got this uh, spinoff of sorts coming. Do you, what do you know about Varsity? Dude, so we already have a spinoff, which is why I find it crazy that we really don't pay attention to all this stuff Prime has. Yeah. Prime already had the animated one called Diabolical. Uh, they've yeah. been talking about having this new one called Varsity that I think is supposed to be live action. Because I think the other one wasn't paid attention to because it was all cartoons. But yeah. there are some episodes of the Diabolical one that's out right now that answers stuff about Black Noir and Homelander. Mm. And they want you to see that. This new spinoff is supposed to... Uh, I don't even know, dude. I, I have no idea. They might change it. It's supposed to be more like a crossover. It's yeah, funny because it's starting just... to remind me of the CW shows and all the crossovers <laughs> that they do. And I'm like, mm-hmm. again, with, with such a meta show, at what point are you going to become part of the joke that you're making fun of? Right. We'll like, see. What are, when, are you a parody or are you the thing that you're parodying? When and can you, you become be Colin simultaneously? Trevorrow. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But they got a they got a spin-off like a bunch of other shoes uh, shows do, especially on Prime because this is their bread and butter. I think a lot of people don't pay attention to what's on Prime except for probably Invincible when when that returns and every mm-hmm. single season of The Boys. It's the only thing yeah. they got right now. So, we'll see. Uh, I'm curious to see what other people think about it. I'd seen uh Devesh had said something interesting earlier about how they've been running the show. Uh, some shows have a season three that shakes everything up, like Barry. I think you and I would agree that that's a very yep. good season three. Some just stick to their strengths and run with it, which is the boys. Uh, I would also throw in Umbrella Academy. I can't really say that they've done anything new or anything bad. They just know what they're good at. and uh, For sure. You can't praise uh, it for being de- better than the previous. For sure. Uh, Devis, Devesh said, thoughts on Black Noir's Roger Rabbit. Uh, there's a bit of like combining of live action and animation uh, that goes on on season three. Did you enjoy those sequences? I did. I just wish we knew more about them. And that's part of what I was telling you Diabolical. about Diabolical. Yeah, it, it does feel a little like out of nowhere almost. I mean, it's, it's, yes. it's cute, interesting. But, but where did this it, come from? And Zach, yeah. you can't be making fun of Marvel who's got the what-if thing that you got to watch to understand right. what they're going to do in the movies when you're doing the exact same thing. So we'll see how the spin-offs go. Absolutely. Okay, let's get into another th- season three, although this one is a final season. Wow, Control season Z, yep. the Mexican Netflix original series. The show began as a show about a high schooler trying to uncover the identity of a hacker, exposing people's secrets. Art, what's the show up to now, and how is it in its third and final season? Uh, it's equal to two. I'll put it that way. Uh, again, another one that stays at the same path of just trying to expand this world of uh, all these hackers and all the secrets that all these kids have. I think it's a very interesting premise. And just like we saw Honey Mice, uh, Honey Mice, Money Heist get uh, mm-hmm. adapted into Korean. Eventually, you know, they're going to have Money Heist in English. Eventually, they're going to have Control Z in English as well. I think mm-hmm. between this show and also um, the other one that's on season five already. I don't know why I'm blanking on it. Um, with a really rich school. Oh, Elite? Elite. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, they have these properties that they're going to be able to build out, and I think it's just a matter of translating them uh, and having them as remakes. I think that's the mm. business that Netflix has going on right now. Um, and maybe they'll be able to adapt it a little bit better. I think it gets very uh, crazy, which is what people go into the show for, mm-hmm. but it gets very convoluted with a bunch of these storylines. You know, uh, In the first season, it was pretty simple to see what the high schoolers were going up to, and you really felt the anxiety, right? Because you're putting yourself in their shoes of uh, during this period in time, if everything's happening on people's phones and one secret gets let out, how would you react to that scenario? Oh my goodness, how bad is it for them over there? And by season two, 
you're not feeling that as much as you're following and trying to keep up with these characters and oh that person's father maybe is still alive and they have something to do with that other person's father and all the stuff that they have in the background season three is even deeper into that and it's not as good as what i think made the first season uh stick which was that you're actually feeling the feeling the anxiety of being in a uh, a school setting where everyone's secrets have been released um it's still just as violent still just as shocking but they just like step it up uh, i don't know if you remember the movie nerve it's trying to get uh, into like yeah 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 the 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 ins and outs of having a secret society of hackers and stuff if you need to wrap it up and you're a completist control z is just as good as season two uh but both seasons are not as good as season one I wish I had a, no, uh, right. like a VPN sponsorship right here, and I'd be like, boom, <laughs> right. go use that and, and stay away from uh, your cybersecurity get getting hacked. Yeah, but Control-Z, <laughs> very decent premise. Uh, curious to see if they bring it back in some other way, because, yeah, three seasons, and it's wrapped. Interesting. All right, cool. So that's Control-Z's third and final season. Let's stick with Netflix, though, because there is a new Netflix limited series called Boo Bitch about two high schoolers, seniors, BFFs who try to finally have fun, like they're a little bit of book smart, like let's go out and have fun and go to parties finally. Uh, then suddenly one of them becomes a ghost. Yep. And a lot of people are really excited for this one because it features to all the boys I loved before's Lana Condor in her first major project post film trilogy. So Art, I've got two questions for you. One, will Lana Condor fans be pleased with Boo Bitch? And two, were you pleased with Boobitch? See, it's a tricky question because you're saying I'm not a lot uh, fan, mm. but I am. I think she's. I like the to all the you boy series. Uh, I think if you're a Lana fan and you really like the entire trilogy that she's had before and different stuff she's been in, yeah, you might like this. Will you like it as much as the previous projects? No, but you get a lot of it because it's a it's a little series. I do not find the comedy to be as funny. Um, no. You know, we've had a lot of these types of stories. Uh, I think of uh, Before I Fall and such, where it's like, oh, no, I'm in high school and I might have died, but I still have stuff that I wanted to do. Um, mm-hmm. All of those movies do it a little bit better than this one. I, I, I like the cinematography, I guess. It pops visually. Uh, but the dialogue is really <laughs> dumb. They don't feel like real characters. And in not feeling not like real all. characters, you don't really get their anxiety. But... I spoiled it for Zach, who did not know how it ended, and <laughs> it's cute, I guess. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's just not for me. I, I am a yeah. Condor fan. I saw the first three episodes of this. I was just not vibing with it. Um, but again, if you're a Lana fan, I think you will enjoy it yeah. for what it's supposed to be. Yeah, I only made it through th- through two. I'm sure there is like a demographic that this appeals to. I'm just not sure exactly what that demographic is. It kind of has like the the Disney Disney Channel vibe to it, but it's also got this like hard edge to it, and yes. that they're like they're drinking and they're interested in sex. And there's like a random joke about a woman giving having a stillbirth in a jacuzzi midway through the first episode. Where the hell did that come from? The tone of the show is like yes. wild and all over the place. It's it's really doesn't make sense from moment to moment. Um, and, and like, 
there's just like a lack of believability in general. Not that I need like everything to feel authentic, but it's like one of those shows that's like, oh, we got to write teenagers. What do teenagers do? They say BRB. So let's throw in a bunch of fake acronyms for them to talk about. And, you know, there's this whole sequence where she's supposed to be drinking at this party and she's drinking so much that she might throw up, but she talks like she's perfectly sober. Like there's just like a lack of care for like the characterizations it's just very broad and i i don't know man it's it's not like i just don't vibe with that type of show but there are some people who do so you know uh, no no hate that way it's just like yeah not one that i would recommend here's my thing right here this is a movie bro this is supposed to be a movie and i think we're at that point where some people don't know how to make movies and because it's netflix Mm -hmm. they know that a series sells a little bit better so they turn what should be a 90-minute movie into a three-and-a-half-hour long limited series. Because remember, it's a limited series. Hmm. Anytime I hear limited series, I know good and well that should have been a short movie <laughs> or it was a movie that was too long and it deserves to be this long, right? We always say, yeah. damn, this should have been a TV miniseries. Damn, this TV miniseries <laughs> should have just been a movie. This is yep. on that factor right there. I think they just wanted to stretch it out a bit, and that's why it becomes paper thin sometimes. It's like Quibi. What did Quibi tell they told all their feature films <laughs> to just cut them up every 10 minutes. Yep. This is the reverse of that. <laughs> exactly. Like Maybe should have cut a lot of it out. Yeah. That might have even streamlined it a little bit. Okay. But eight episodes uh, but yeah. out on Netflix. All right. Let's do one last TV show and talk about the return of Tuca and Birdie for season Ooh. three. New episodes airing on Adult Swim and then streaming the next day on HBO Max. We talked about Tuca and Birdie a little bit after its first season over on Netflix, but then it got abruptly canceled, which a lot of people were surprised by. But luckily, it made the jump over to Adult Swim. I wasn't able to catch the last season because Adult Swim shows at that time were kind of in a weird sort of streaming limbo. But since then, it's all made its way over to HBO Max, so it's much more accessible. I've started catching up with that second season, uh, which is, you know, as good as I remember the show to be. I think it's got... Uh, while it's got a different tone to BoJack Horseman, I think it has a lot of the same sense of humor in terms of, like, you have the, like, animal-human hybrid things with lots of strange, weird puns happening in oddly sincere moments. There's, like, a a bit of melancholy that runs through the series, and uh, it very much focuses on, like, the, the insecurities and anxieties of these characters, but in a way that's not, like, pretentious or overly sad, just kind of, like irreverent and and whimsical. You know, there's a lot of, like, really great animated sequences. Uh, this is a series that is run by Lisa Hanawalt, who was the lead artist on BoJack Horseman. So even more mm. than BoJack, this show really, really leans into the art design, the character designs. There's all these really cool moments uh, where, you know, Tuca will turn into a haunted house and people will walk through her and stuff. So I don't know. Th- there's just like a constant creativity, not just to the stories, but to how they're told, I think. Uh, so I'm really enjoying getting to catch up now that's really easily accessible on HBO Max. I'm hoping more people check it out. I don't know if you caught any of uh, the original series, but yeah, hopefully you can catch some more now that it's on HBO Max. Yep, I, I like a lot of the episodes I saw from season one, so... You're a Bojack fan, hop on it. Tuka it's a little bit Bert. funny too. It's a little funny too because they know that not everybody's gonna be able to like go get it on Netflix. So the first episode of season two is her talking to her therapist and basically like, all right, here's everything that happened on season one. Um, nice Perfect. little trick to get everybody caught up. 
All right, so that's about all that we've been watching. Let us know what you are watching in the live stream or in the comments down below. And you can also send us an email to intercutpod at gmail.com. Let's move on to some quick yay or nay topics. Art, why don't you start us off with this story about Netflix adding some spatial audio? Yeah, so uh, some people may have this, some people may not. But at this point in time, they're claiming that every single person, regardless of what kind of media you have will be able to turn your i don't know if they said like mono but that everything's going to be stereo for you uh if you hop onto netflix they have this little plug-in to be able to get your uh headphones because i believe this is the only way to do it you put headphones on to watch netflix and you can turn on what is known as spatial audio obviously like many things i don't know if you've seen this in your uh music libraries for streaming zach but they have what's mm-hmm. the new like lossless the master and then what's supposed to be this spatial type of thing Hmm. sometimes it feels like you're in the room with them you're able to Hmm. sense this like 8k i think a lot of people would know it which is kind of pointless on youtube but the surroundings like you're in there in the recording many times it just comes off like an echo uh they have expanded (laughs) it so that more people are able to use it for different things such as stranger things and such and just like when we talk about theaters a movie in imax isn't worth it if it's not shot in imax a movie in 40x isn't worth it if it's not shot in 40x so many times you'll just see them put the stereo thing and it's just going to feel like an echo it's just like you're you're yeah it's nothing's coming from anywhere but if the show is calibrated like stranger things is you're going to have a very unique experience where when you're in the upside down and the bats fly across it's more of your surroundings uh and depending on what devices you have if you're sitting down looking at the screen, it's calibrated to your screen. Meaning if you turn around like this, you will hear whatever's in front of you coming more directly from your right ear because of the way that it's mixed. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with this. Um, uh, I think you're just supposed to like search up spatial audio. And just like mm-hmm. you were with the 4K feature on Netflix uh, and the interactive feature, they're going to start like separating them. Um, but it's no extra cost. So I am not the biggest fan of it. I would I just like regular surround sound. Um, right. but spatial audio is kind of an interesting tool. I, I see it yeah. more for gaming. Um, but if it's mixed right, uh, I'm curious to test it out on those Stranger Things episodes. Yeah, I mean, Netflix has sort of promised to be like this platform that allows filmmakers to to experiment and, and do cool. way, whatever they want. And, you know, uh, there's we, we didn't talk about it, but there's a new interactive show that was out on Netflix this week. And, you know, they, they keep finding new ways to sort of innovate how content gets delivered, if that's how you want to uh, refer to it. So. I think it's cool that they're doing it, at least, even if I'm probably not going to be using it very much. Yeah. I mean, everyone's trying. Disney had the uh, IMAX enhanced. They're like, here Mm -hmm. you go. You get a little bit more screen. So I'm always for it. I'm always for seeing new things out there. Yeah. Um, Speaking of new things, box office. It's not really new, yeah. but <laughs> we were seeing a bunch of articles coming out this weekend. Uh, it's always fascinating to see the world of box office and business because these stories that are worldwide are still very subjected to their countries. And the box office is something that we always see every weekend when a new movie comes out. How does it do domestically? How does it do overseas? And then also the idea that certain stories get affected when they're overseas. Uh, so there mm-hmm. was two articles that I wanted to bring up. One, this one being uh, one that goes through a lot of the changes that movies have made um, when dealing with overseas. Uh, there was a Spider-Man scene that takes place in the Statue of Liberty. That was supposed to be taken out in order to play it overseas. They said, nah, 
it stayed. Uh, Lightyear mm-hmm. this year, I'm pretty sure everyone's heard of that one. Uh, and then one that we brought up when we were covering um, stuff earlier this year for the Top Gun, uh, the patches and how they got rid of that funding. Might have been in jeopardy. And then Top Gun ended up making, as Zach predicted, over a billion dollars. So yeah. uh, it's fascinating to see uh, what was, I would say, a lot of the early 2010s movies where you would have the story just be altered to fit international audiences, right? And to mm-hmm. me, that's not a terrible thing to do. I just put it akin to product placement. If you're going to stop the movie to do product placement, will it be in service of the story? Uh, right. So that's been like a big shift right now as box offices kind of like merge together because you know in the world uh, media and who has the biggest power in the entertainment is also a very crucial thing yeah i mean that's the thing is like I, we've seen many scenarios in which studios have dictated that the content should look and feel a certain way specifically so it doesn't offend the sensibilities of of other countries and like while i do think you know Obviously, there's you should be able to account for all their cultures and stuff like that. There are things that we think are important values that we have, and especially that filmmakers have, that it's always a shame when it feels like those values get compromised solely to make a little bit extra profit, right? Like, Lightyear is a movie that will make a, mu- a bunch of money for Disney whether or not it's allowed to be showed in countries like that. And it's good that they can recognize that they don't necessarily need it to be perfect for every single market for it to still be a movie that's worth investing in and a story that's worth telling. Now, granted, nope. the representation is still minimal, but at least they maybe won't be so scared scared of it as they have been in the past is it won't be quite so thrown in the background so often mm-hmm. and just looking at it from a business point of view you know we on the business channel right, right here it, it's just yeah the way that you run down the numbers it's, it's no longer uh this this concept of you having to bend the knee in terms of getting funding i think with all the different forms that we have now and really just the pipeline has changed between theaters to streaming we're going to go through that right now in the new to see but it's just been fascinating to see how uh, a lot of stuff has shifted because even with lightyear it didn't make a lot of money here but i don't think anyone at disney is worried if it's not going to make money or not because by the time it hits disney plus it's just another thing that they're able to not just get uh tickets out of you for one showing they're getting money out of you every single month um, and with that, there was one article that you had sent me talking about, yeah, <laughs> it's not just how other countries affect America, but also how America affects other countries. Uh, Disney itself going into different places and realizing that you may not have grown up with Disney Channel here. But if we create a school and have you count <laughs> with Disney characters, then what's mm-hmm. bigger than not just the stuff that you had in your free time, but when Mickey Mouse taught you the calendar days? Right. When it's goofy, yeah, it's absolutely, you how to count. Yeah, absolutely fascinating anecdote in this Vox article that, like, so they, they talked about how Disney wasn't allowed to have a China, uh, a channel on Chinese TV. So mm-hmm. instead, they'll just be like lovable textbook characters, and that can maybe bring people to their theme parks. Like, it's such, it's such like galaxy brain thinking in terms of like how to market to people. Like, it honestly makes me a little bit scared. Like, it's, it's a little bit dystopian. Well, like, yeah, we're not going to act like they don't use it on us either, <laughs> you know? Hmm. Uh, it's the smartest way. If you don't have the nostalgia already set, how can we, how can we get it? 
you know, as fast as possible. We'll associate it with your everyday thinking. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's, I mean, that's just big corporations. That's how they move. Yeah. And uh, yeah, don't make it right there either. But it's just a very interesting way to see the ups and downs and the inner workings of what's happening over in yeah. Hollywood. And yeah, even- as well as like the different things that they actually care about, right? Like the what will drive their investments. When you realize they're not there to build schools, but to build nostalgic minds for their favorite characters yep. once they grow up. Um, but even keeping it on the, I guess if you want to call it independent, what is nowadays anymore? <laughs> if you've not paid for anything online and watched movies, you're probably a pirate. But you also may just be using stuff like Tubi and Freebie and Roku and YouTube movies, which I'm going to get into in a bit. But I'm sure many of you have tried to look for a trailer and you've seen Joe Blow movies. Joe Blow movies have signed this massive deal. Uh, Zach and I were talking about it earlier. This idea of if Shudder is too expensive for you, what if you could see horror movies for free? And the PVOD method, which is paid video on demand, the SVOD method, which is streaming video on demand, Netflix and all that stuff. The AVOD, which is the advertising video on demand, which is what people know here on YouTube. Imagine that not being for a YouTube video before a full out movie. That's how Tubi works. That's how Freebie works. That's how Roku works. YouTube movies has built an entire platform just off of that. They actually have licensing deals with big movies, which is why I think they've been able to become so big. Um, Joe Blow has been able to sign a deal with, I don't want to call them like the asylum of movies, but let's say movies that may have just gone to Redbox as uh, counter marketing for anything that's big out there. Uh, and they've signed, uh, what is a, an AVOD deal to be able to showcase a lot of these movies. And some of them are actually pretty big, bro. The taking of Deborah Logan, like that director would go on to make, uh, one of the escape room movies, if I'm not mistaken. So right. uh, just continues to show you how the marketing is shifting. For how people consume things. Because even in mm-hmm. this past week, there was this viral tweet about how someone had seen all of their anime season s- with each episode being split on TikTok into yep. 18. I don't know if you saw that one. 18 different TikToks. Mm-hmm. And people were like, I remember watching it in 15 different parts on YouTube. And someone else right. said, well, I remember even before that having to go to like something else. This is like the new form. I don't think people... They're not on the tube watching stuff on TV. They're on whatever device it is and yeah. watching things in parts, watching things in this form of uh, streaming, which yeah. makes all of its money on ads. It's this continued push by Hollywood to try to find audiences where they are, like realizing that they can't necessarily count on audience. Yeah, they can't count on audiences to come to the theater, to watch their trailers, to go to the official website. If this is the path that audiences have proven to take and Joe Blow has proven as a company that they are good at getting this content out to people as, as getting to the top of those search results, which, you know, are not that it's not that easy to do. Um, They've proven successful at it. And Hollywood is going to, to use that for whatever they can. So uh, interesting that they've been able to leverage that, that role for themselves essentially based on the back of a bunch of content that they don't own. Right. Uh, I mean, that's that's the ultimate MCN right there. What I'm trying to say is yeah. intercut pictures coming soon <laughs> to, to a screen near you. But yeah. yeah, a bunch of fascinating stuff to see there. We'll see uh, how it continues to change because even with the upcoming movies, some of these movies are in theaters one week and the next thing you know, they are out there video on demand. And you know, they were actually calling Tubi the um, what's Jay-Z's uh, music service. Uh, <laughs> the title? 
they were saying it's the title of streaming <laughs> services. You actually get paid per the view yeah. over there uh, on Tubi. So we'll see. Um, as for the new stuff, though, I know we have plenty of new to yeah. see for this weekend covering all the stuff in theaters. That's going to be virtual. And, of course, yep. in streaming. Let's Starting get off into those book. new to see movies and TV. Uh, over on July 12th, like you were saying, on Hulu, we have a pair of really interesting comedies. First of all, the Bob's Burger, Burgers movie finally hits streaming. Uh, I know this was one that a lot of people really enjoyed seeing in theaters. I'm glad that Beautiful. you really enjoyed seeing it in theaters, too. So Bro. now that it's readily available, I'm probably going to have it on in the background a lot. Just like really a pleasant, pleasant watch. Uh-huh. Definitely worth it. I think it may be my number one. It could be two. But it is really high on my list of favorites and definitely one of my favorite animated movies of the year. Yeah. Hope people catch it. For sure. Uh, And then also on Hulu, the FX on Hulu show, What We Do in the Shadows, back for season four, my favorite band of vampires. Also, just speaking of Taika Waititi in general, probably my favorite Taika Waititi property. What We Do in the Shadows, just like consistently funny. Uh, The cast is just maybe the funniest cast on TV right now, which I think goes a long, long way. So I will definitely be watching those episodes as soon as they drop. Um, Did you hear about the sequel to the movie? Is that actually happening? He, according to the Thor run that they were doing right now, he did say that it is still in production, that being the... Uh, the werewolves one, the right? The werewolves guess- one, yeah. So it's yeah. supposed to be a spinoff mockumentary on what the werewolves are up to. So it's <laughs> supposed to still be out there. I don't know. He claims yeah. it's still in the works. I don't know how much time he's going to find between directing more MCU and now he's got a Star Wars trilogy supposedly yeah. happening. Like Someone's got to finish this, but it, it is still there. It's called Werewolves. Yep. Werewolves. <laughs> funny every time. Uh, on July 12th, on digital and VOD, we're getting the new film Glass House. This was a movie that we caught at 2021's Fantasia Fest. Mm-hmm. A pretty fascinating movie in sort of like a post-apocalyptic environment where the air is toxic and this this group of women uh, hide out together in a glass house trying to keep themselves safe when a man wanders in. Our, I know this was one of your favorite films that we caught at last year's Fantasia Fest. I really like this one. I l- yeah. I really like, uh, it's almost like a bubble movie. And I think this is mm-hmm. a pre-COVID movie too, which makes it really interesting for when yeah. we ended up catching it at Fantasia. Um, but it, it's one of those where it's really able to create a vacuum of like, uh, they're speaking on society, but from just the survivors of this thing that happened. And I think it plays off really well. I'd be curious to read the script because it's one of those movies where once you're done watching it, you want to rewatch it to pick up yeah. on a lot of different uh, stuff and their performances and just, notes of dialogue so i would highly recommend glass house out on virtual you said right uh yeah on virtual or or on digital and vod yep good little movie uh then also on july 12th just want to do a quick shout out to cop secret and take the night two movies that we shouted out last week because they hit theaters but already available on vod so if you can't make it out to the big screen moves quick you got it on the small screen Uh, Then July 13th, uh, we're hearing it in the live stream. People want to know, are we going to be watching that Miss Marvel season finale when it hits Disney Plus? Are you caught up? Uh, I'm not caught up, but I will be caught up by the time this comes out. I do want to work on a video for it. Uh, 
it's cute. I think it remains, it continues to be cute. It's actually, Alina's watching right now because she was behind more than I was. But I think they've been able to, uh, as critical as I've been on how Disney pretends to show stuff in their movies, when in reality, they're just trying to get those real life people who, into <laughs> seats. I think they've, they've been really respectful with it and have been able to really get into the, the culture uh, of what Kamala and like her friends are into. And I, I got spoiled it for myself, but there's an upcoming cameo from a really big star um, mm. that, again, is very inherent to her and her family and the likes that they have. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to finishing it. Yeah, I enjoyed those first two episodes. I think it's got a really fun tone and one that really fits the story and world. So I'll, I'll definitely uh, catch up by the finale so that we can get into it next week on the weekend must watch. Uh, also on July 13th, wanted to give a shout out to My Name is Sarah. This is a kind of understated uh, period piece drama directed by Stephen Ori about a uh, 13-year-old Polish Jew whose family was killed by the Nazis and she goes into hiding, uh, hiding her identity as a Jew and working amongst uh, the, the families that she tries to hide out with in Poland. I think it's a really interesting look at like, you know, some of the th things that really had th that these people had to go through during the war and uh, the ways in which they had to suppress parts of themselves in order to, continues to survive. I think it's a pretty uh, well-told well told story. I thought it was pretty good. Not a uh, pretty interesting film. I think it's only in theaters in New York yeah, this Wednesday, but it'll time. be, yeah. Long time uh, yeah, it's been on like this. on the festival circuit for a couple of years. A so minute, I think the yeah. movie's going to start to expand into more theaters soon. So keep an eye out for My Name is Sarah, if that sounds like a film that might interest you. This was that Sliff, bro. Whew, that was a back-in-the-day Sliff feature? That's a Sliff original right there, yeah. Wow, so, wow. Damn. Shout out to Sliff, art's We're favorite festival name. All right, <laughs> put him on radar. July 14th on Netflix, we get a new Resident what? Evil show. Zach, we just got a Resident Evil movie. What do you mean? <laughs> I mean, apparently one's not enough. Uh, Art, you're more of the Resident Evil guy. W where is this? What is this going on? Like, where is this on the timeline? Is this connected? Is this a whole new thing? From from what I know, dude, is they've got like three things going on. Actually, they got like four things going on, right? Everybody knows the Mila Jovovich stuff. I don't think that's done, but it's definitely been on hiatus. They've kind of paused that. Mm -hmm. That can still continue, I think. Uh, and then the movie that just came out last year, which was Welcome to Raccoon City. Uh, right. That's its own thing. That director wanted to be like, I want, I see the, the video games like books and I want to adapt them to a T. He did not adapt <laughs> them to a T, uh, but that's the movie that came out into theaters. And and then another group is like, no, no, no. What if we adapted them to a T but made it a series instead? So this would be the third of the properties that has been released this time as a series. So you have the Jovovich, you have whatever's out in theaters that came out last year. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of that one. I'm curious in this one, you know, if you're going to go that approach of wanting to be faithful in the adaptation, the Mila Jovoviches are not. They're their own thing. They're not really akin to the game. This is supposed to be like a beat for beat kind of trying to go through what the lore of the games is and bringing that into hmm. a series. So it looks like it's got a good budget. I'm looking forward to it. I know that Netflix also has the animated versions of them, which I think is just like the cutscenes revamped, put together. Hmm. We'll see. Uh, Welcome to Raccoon City, which is, again, the first <laughs> intro pilot to the season. W right. We'll see how it delivers. I, I, I don't see it being any worse than what the movie was. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Resident Evil yeah, on Netflix. We, 
We'll see. I'm sure we'll report back next week with some thoughts on Resident Evil. Also out on July 14th is Victoria's Secret Angels and Demons. This is a (laughs) docu-series about what's going on at that fashion company. Uh... I don't know. Look, looks interesting. Hulu does a lot of these sort of like ripped from the headlines, true story about the company types of docs. And uh, a lot of them are very interesting. So uh, I might catch that one. I don't know. Oh, well, I'll, I'll sacrifice myself. Zach yeah. can watch all three episodes. All <laughs> if you must. For work. For work. For work. Yeah, exactly. On Hulu. <laughs> All right, let's get into July 15th, Friday, when all the big names drop. Uh, We're getting American Carnage, which is a new horror thriller of sorts. Uh, The reason it jumped out to me is that it's another one with our girl Jenna Ortega really trying to claim that horror girl uh, throne. It doesn't look as good as her previous horror outings that she's been in. Uh, Yeah. But she is the main reason why I want to go see it, and the gore looks yeah. pretty good. Uh, uh, we'll yeah. see how good you know the uh, the dialogue, direction, and story is. But it, it seems like they're delivering on the carnage side of it. So exactly, it I'm might not be like out. an A twenty four prestige horror, but it might be delivering the goods. So we'll find out. Um, also on July fifteenth, Anonymous Club, the twenty twenty two South by Southwest selection art. As you said, big thumbs up on the Courtney Barnett documentary. I am definitely checking this one out because uh, I was fascinated to to find out more. I only caught like half of it and I passed out during South by. So um, it was it was a long night. Um, but you but you like the flavor rest. you had? Oh yeah, 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 it was great. I just I, that's why I want to go back for more. Uh, Bed rest hits theaters on July fifteenth. I don't know too much about that one, but it's being put Nothing out yet. by STX Entertainment. I'm curious um, then, because it seems like it's still being worked on, but there she is. Like, this is right? Melissa Barrera. Like, she was just in Scream. So we're talking about another horror uh, Scream queen that's building up over there from In the Heights. She's now mm-hmm. in another horror movie. Uh, I don't know. We'll see when this comes out because, yeah, it is still slated to come out in two days, but it ain't got a trailer, a poster, nothing. We'll see, yeah. STX. It might just be a mistake, but I got an email about that once. Who knows? Uh, Also, July 15th, Don't Make Me Go hits Amazon Prime Video. I believe this one might be playing in theaters already. It was a Tribeca selection, which is where I got to catch it, and I implored Art to catch it. I did not want to spoil what happened to him. Art, what did you think about Don't Make Me Go? What I think is that Hannah Marks is a really good director i i, I like yeah. her stuff after everything i um, would recommend uh a lot of the other stuff that she's done here i think are cute i would however recommend instructions <laughs> not included just unrelated i'm just gonna say if you need yeah. to watch one of these movies watch this one first and then go watch the hannah marks one that's all i'm yeah. going to say just a, just a little bit of a warning just a little bit of like a hey maybe maybe think about it go catch um, it yeah <laughs> Let's also talk about Gabby Giffords won't back down, which I oh, have marked yeah. here as July fifteenth. But they're doing like a special sneak on July thirteenth. Actually, yes, sir. Uh, shout out to Ricky, who I think uh, let us know about that one. But this was one of the documentaries you caught at South by this year, and I think it was one of the documentaries that stood out to you too. Oh yeah, floored me. I had dismissed it. I was like, oh, it's going to be another very political doc, which obviously, I mean, you're going to bring politics into anything. But this comes, <laughs> a- 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 it comes from the duo, man. Julie Cohen and Betsy, they did RBG, Julia, Real Murray. I don't think they've ever made a bad doc. They do a really good job mm-hmm. of breaking down the subject who they have. It might be the best one they've made. It might be the best one they've made 
Um, wow. I probably, one or two docs a year will make me cry. Uh, well, this is the first. This is the one. Might Damn. be it. Well, actually, no, I think I got both of them already because the other one would have been that one from, the one from Sundance with the orphans, bro. <laughs> you remember the one I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Oh, jeez. What was that one called? That was so sad. Yeah. The Ukrainian one. The Ukrainian one. So I'm already two for two. Uh, this is the first one that gets a full-out release. Gabby Giffords won't back down. Even if you don't know anything about the lady, uh, I think she just has a profound story. An incredible story. I think people should know about it. Definitely check that one out. Definitely. Gabby Giffords won't back down. All right. Also, speak. we're getting all these South by Southwest movies this weekend. Gone in the Night. This one was titled The Cow. Cow. <laughs> Back at yeah. South by Southwest. It has Winona Ryder, John Gallagher Jr., Dermot Mulrooney. There's elements of this that I thought were interesting. Like, they have this nonlinear approach to the story that's kind of cool, where, you know, like, they'll show you a scene, and then they'll go back, and then they'll go that sounds cool. forward, and then they'll go back a little bit in a way that'll change all the circumstances. And so... While I liked that element, I thought the place that it ended up in was was like very silly and bizarre and like not really believable. Like it's like they're setting you up for for a different. I don't know. It, it didn't ultimately cohere to me. But there's some interesting stuff there, so I don't want to dismiss it outright. I'm curious. I, I want to see yeah. if the, if the name change was worth it. I'm curious. There's no cow in the trailer, so I want to know. Zach got to see it. I'm I'm I'm, I'm still curious. The curiosity. Oh, the cows me. in the trailer. Hint, hint, spoiler, no. Okay. Um, All right. Living Wine is uh, in theaters and watch now. Don't know too much about this documentary, but they keep emailing me, so I'm mentioning them. Uh, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris is hitting theaters. This is the latest uh, Focus Features one and the sequel to Mrs. Harris. Of course. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess, I guess there's enough interest in it that they're making more than one of these, but I haven't seen any of the series, so uh, I don't think I'll be seeing this one. But you sure? I'm putting it up here. Uh, the next like three that we have here are all movies based off of like properties. We had Mrs. Harris 06, Mrs. Harris, or Flowers for Mrs. Harris, Mrs. Harris, Fart Knocked Monte Carlo. Like I didn't know that Mrs. Harris <laughs> ran that deep, dude. So uh, yeah, I guess it's got a fan base for people to go check out. Um, I've heard decent things. It's getting played at the landmark, so. Yeah. Eh? Um, I guess we got to go ca- catch what she's up to in Paris, right? Or be on Netflix and catch what their newest <laughs> adaptation is going to be of the Persu- Persuasion series, uh, which this one, I guess I know a little bit more because I have seen the previous ones. They're the previous incarnations of this one. Right, right. Yeah, I You're mean. You're not a it, Jane Austen fan? Um, sorry? You're not a Jane Austen fan? I'm not like a huge. I don't think I've actually sat down and read a whole Jane Austen book. Tell you the what? truth. Oh man, I yeah. had to growing up. I, so uh, I, I know the Jane Austen pretty well. Uh, so this <laughs> would be the newest one in the persuasion, the remakes, retreads, however mm-hmm. you want to call it. But this one has Dakota Johnson, Henry Golding. So you got a pretty stacked cast that I think people are looking forward to. <laughs> have you <laughs> or seen? Or at least that curious j- in some sense. Have you seen that joke going around uh, that Dakota Johnson's face just looks like the face of somebody who knows what an iPhone is? No, but I agree. I like that. I like that <laughs> phrasing for some people. I said that to Alina. Yeah. We were watching something. Um, I think Actually, I think it was the uh, Fantastic Beast. And I said, uh, Jessica's character. I was like, I don't know. It could be because she was on The Daily Show. But I just know she's up to date with current, with current news. So I, I feel you on that critique. Uh, what else we got on the 15th? Uh, we have 
Queen of Glory, which was last year's Tribeca Film Festival Award winner. Now it's going to be hitting theaters, so I'm curious to catch up with that. Uh, but I think the thing that we are at least the most excited for here on Intercut is Friday. We're back to Nathan Fielder. We're, we're back in the world of Nathan for you, or maybe not specifically Nathan for you, because the new show, The Rehearsal, for HBO Max, it's it's something different. Um, I don't know if we, we know too much or want to know too much, but I know I'm so pumped for it because Nathan Fielder is such a unique, peculiar, funny voice uh, in comedy. I, we're both like keeping our fingers crossed that HBO is going to drop some screeners into our inbox while we're recording. And if this m- they, recording mysteriously said, ends, that's why. <laughs> we've dipped and we've gone to go see yeah. uh, the Nathan Fielder. Yeah, no, this is easily my recommendation of the week, without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, one last thing on that Friday from IFC Films is She Will. Uh, this is the latest IFC Midnight and Shudder release. And I feel like with IFC Midnight and Shudder, they have a pretty solid track record in terms of the horror movies that they pick. Mm-hmm. If they're not even, if they're not necessarily like always the greatest, they're they're usually compelling and very well made, like strongly directed films. So mm-hmm. uh, even though I haven't caught this one, it's definitely one I'm going to keep on my radar. But those are the new to see art. What are your picks for the week? Uh, I we have we didn't do the theater stuff, but uh, where the crawdads crawdads sing is also coming crawdads. out this weekend. Uh, oh yeah, shoot. Yeah, that's the big theater release. Well, we got two big theater releases. And then uh, is Pause of Fury this Pause weekend? Pause of Fury is also this weekend. Yeah, so it's that downturn week because Thor is out in theaters. That they're not mm-hmm. the biggest of releases, but I know this played at Bentonville. They uh, they had a whole big red carpet for this one based off of a book. I'm curious to see it. Daisy Edgar Jones finally up on the big screen. She didn't get that with Fresh. Right. Been big on the uh, series so far, but I'm curious. Curious to catch this one over here. And then the Pause of Fury. <laughs> I was telling Zach, I have been confusing DC Super Pets and this. I don't even know. What's it called? Pause. Do they spell pause differently? Oh, you, no, they spell it like 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 Animal Pause, not like Pause the Movie. Pause of Fury, the legend of... Oh, oh, it's... I put furry, bro. It's Fury. I put Pause of Fury. <laughs> uh, See, that's I've been the confusing problem. this and DC Super Pets. Turns out they're two completely yeah. different movies. One's obviously DC. This is... Bro, this is Michael Sarah. There's something voicing. about it that... Yeah. Well, it, to me, it's, it's freaking... Uh, it's just a cartoon animal version of The Art of Self-Defense. Right. Instead of just yeah, yeah. bring the guy Michael Sarah. There's something about the trailers for Pause of Fury that just feel like it's a movie that's already come out, if that makes sense. Like sometimes no, I, I, that trailer comes in the theater before I'm watching a film and I'm like, did they accidentally drop in a 2019 trailer? What's going on here? Yeah. Uh, well, that'll be out until DC Super Pets comes out. I love what yeah. I just saying we're trading between minions uh, and then what's going to be the big Dwayne Johnson property. But. Yeah, if you are interested in any movies to go out to see this weekend, those are the really only two things. To me, it's all on streaming. Definitely go yeah. catch the rehearsal, which is my number one pick for the week. Out of yeah. my recommendations, I think that uh, Nathan Fielder is always able to bring something new to the table. And this is one where I told Zach, I haven't even seen the trailer. I don't want to see the trailer. I'm yep. just going to go into it. I'm, I'm excited for it. So over on HBO Max, that is my recommendation uh, on Peacock. Uh, you have one animated one that's going to be on your list. 
thumbs up on that one too. So I want to bring up a different one, which is The Bad Guys over on uh, Peacock. It's supposed to actually be a series because it's based off of a book. And I would love for this mm. one to get uh, another one because each book, they do something different. This is uh, kind of doing Tarantino in a heist movie. And then every right. new book, his the guy's approach was to kind of take adult movies and those themes and then make a new spin on these bad That's guys cool. doing something. So I, I would love to see those adaptations yeah. made because he's got a space one. He's got like a Raiders of the Lost Art one. Uh, and I think the voice cast is oh. really good. And uh, now that it's on Peacock, I think most more people should go catch it. Uh, I actually do have a theater pick since there is the doc for Gabby Gifford that's coming out this weekend. If you get the chance to see it, go see it. I, I, I think if, like I said, it's going to make you cry. Watch it at home instead once that's available. But if you like watching your docs in theaters, for sure, go check it out over there. Uh, and then nice. I want to end it with a trio of just, dude, the mob. The, just mm-hmm. like the, the biggest Italian actors, if not just, you know, uh, big cinema guys from back in the day. One by one, I feel this past week and even uh, from last week have just been gone. I, I'm going to recommend Goodfellas, yeah. Sopranos, The Godfather, stuff that I'm sure many people have seen. But if anything, this past week has been due for a rewatch and if you haven't seen them definitely go to r.i.p james cam bro i didn't realize yeah. this past weekend how you don't realize how big someone is or, or what they're big for until after they're gone and mm-hmm. you come on his imdb and you're gonna see a bunch of classics right elf bro i never yeah. thought it was elf for right. people that's the thing it's like uh sometimes with these actors like james Kahn who are they're not just like guys who had a moment they're guys who had a career like there's the whole section of people who watched him uh watched him for his role in films like the gambler or films like the godfather or films like rollerball and then there's this whole other section of people who know him for films like elf and the stuff that came later in his career crazy Uh, i i was thinking about his part in uh uh what's it um bottle rocket uh you Mm. know just like a an early wes movie I, i don't know man he's such a was such a great actor and yeah like you're saying we're losing so many of uh these iconic actors from these italian american movies whether it's uh uh tony sirico the the sopranos or sorry uh yeah the yeah, sopranos, sopranos actor who died recently or uh ray liotta who we hadn't mentioned who died a couple weeks back of course the star of goodfellas but yeah man uh so many iconic character people james con in particular just an absolute titan uh, of not just Hollywood, but of Twitter and of tweet, uh, surely he will did, be missed. He has some good tweets for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, and especially with Leota's on, on the Black Bird right now. Khan got several movies coming out right. as well. Yeah. And then yeah. I, I did. I went back for for Tony and I was uh, finishing up because remember I'm still I'm still on the season six of mm-hmm. um, the Sopranos. Sopranos. So just seeing him, I'm like, nah. He was he's he's so pivotal to the show. I don't know how else to put it, man. No, no one sunbathed like him outside of the deli. So rest <laughs> in peace to all these legends. Uh, good time to revisit their movies or see them for the first time if you haven't. Goodfellas, Absolutely. The Sopranos, The Godfather. What about you, Zach? All right. Well, I'll start in theaters because, as we mentioned, Anonymous Club, a really interesting documentary. Courtney Barnett, such a, uh amazing artist with these lyrics that are so powerful i love her stuff I'm really curious to catch up with that one so i'll be checking out anonymous club for sure uh keeping with documentaries i got to catch the first couple mind over murders and you're right this is an extremely fascinating docuseries from nanfu wang yep. that blends you know the this true crime element with this interesting uh 
study of like the psychology of a town, right? Because it's not just what happened in this case, but what happened afterwards. And what? why did all these people get involved who weren't necessarily involved? Um, by episode three, you've found out a lot of really, really just mind-blowing things in terms of how this case unfolded. So I would highly, highly recommend people catch up with that one. Uh, and Agreed. we're going to... Uh, we finally got those screeners from HBO too, so I'm probably going to finish up that series this week. Yeah, wrapping it up now. <laughs> uh, but before you do, one last one. As you mentioned, the Bob's Burgers movie on Hulu. I will watch this movie at least twice this week. I can guarantee you that. Um, so good, man. So good. You're still. You, are you still working through the series at all? Or oh yeah, bro. So too many episodes. Of, it's too many. It's so much content, man. It's so much. But no, it's worth it. And I don't yeah. even think you need to see the show. Just go into the Bob's Burgers movie. It does a really good yeah. job. And they'll have some tunes that are going to be stuck in your ear. For sure. All right. So that's about it for this week's edition of Weekend Must Watch. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd at ZShevich. That's Z-S-H-E-V-I-C-H. And check out my YouTube or TikTok channels at Multiplex Show. Art, where can, where can people find more from you? You can find me over at Elmi Explain on Twitter, on YouTube, on Letterboxd, or every week here on the Intercut Podcast. You can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcatcher is. I happen to like Overcast. And then make sure you're not just subscribed to the audio feed, but to the video feed as well, where you can watch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Tainment. Too excited about that one. Crawdad. Crawdad. <laughs> Find new episodes of the Intercut Weekly Must Watch streaming on our YouTube channel every Monday. We decided to come a little bit late this week. Do a, do a little bit of Intercut after dark. It, it didn't start dark outside, but but now it's dark outside there for me at least. I don't know about uh, Chicago. Has it it's like when you go into the movies, over there? you know. Yeah, I'm right on yeah. in the twilight. You know, you're, you're still able to see a little bit. <laughs> it's just like that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, catch us every Monday, usually at 3 p.m., but we'll let you know through social media or through the community posts or whatever when our next episodes are going up. And uh, stick with us because we're going to do a quick video on Thor Love and Thunder right after this. But please leave us a comment, like the video, and consider heading over to iTunes to give us that much requested five star review. Uh, shout out to our listeners who put us in TV and film podcast charts all over the world. It's really Thank cool you. whenever we get that honor. Like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. Support our Patreon, maybe. All of them are at Intercut Pod to get updates throughout the week from Art, from me, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, no more monster hunting. I should have wrote down more quotes from that movie. I think there's like better quotes from that movie that I could have used. I think there's good frames from it too. <laughs>